Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the third Saturday of February, February 18th, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, Thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator. Sister Helena Thompson, our Minister of Music. Pastor Milson will offer the altar prayer today. And Pastors Terrence and Pam Wilson will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And I, Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for Refuge from the Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting from all viruses and other catastrophic illnesses. Also pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God to do it and not do their will. Please also pray for all children, especially those who are missing and being sex trafficked, as well as those adults who are missing and being sex trafficked. Please pray for world peace, all refugees, victims of the worldwide climate crisis, the people of Turkey, the loved ones of all victims who've perished from gun violence and for the survivors who have sustained severe injuries from this violence. Thank you for your attention. Now let us listen to our opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you to the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, Please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six and be blessed. And I'd like to thank my wife, co-pastor Jesus Christ God for your ministries. <clears throat> I like, let me clear my throat. I'd like to thank Reverend Black and the whole entire staff and everybody that is on the line. We thank you for the fellowship and the time that we spend together with you. 
wonderful men and women of God. We're talking about today the final leg of the faith relays. Well, final leg of the of the faith relay. And so let me say it this way. <clears throat> so I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ. It was clear in my throat. I had a little bit of tea and <clears throat> my throat was a little bit dry a little while ago. So I apologize for that. <clears throat> Before we get started, we're talking about finishing the race and enduring the race in spite of the challenges that all of us, believe it or not, every one of us as Christians, as brothers in Christ, will have challenges in this life. That's what Jesus said. That's why I tell a lot of people, a lot of people say today, well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? If you read the scriptures and spend time in the word, Cut off some of that time on the internet, tele television time, and read what Jesus said, because the things that he said 2,000 years ago are now starting to come to pass. And well, not just now, they've been coming to pass for quite some time. And so that being said, you know, we should not be surprised when these things happen. We just shouldn't be surprised when these things happen. So. I'm say, saying this, <clears throat> that most Christians are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. Do you have your Bible? Go to chapter Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about the great faith of the famous heroes of the Bible, which is often referred to as the hall of faith, because the outlines the courage, the conviction, and let's talk about some of these great people in the Bible which is Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, a host of others. For many years, it had been interpreted as book only the historical challenges of the saints. But later, but later, they begin to see these things much more in faith. And that's the thing about um, the Hebrews when it's what's called the Hall of Faith, because it outlines a number of people from the, all the way from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Well, I was reading this one day and I got to Hebrews 11, where it says that all of these things, all of these wonderful saints that they mentioned, though they received a good testimony, they didn't receive the promise. And I was thinking, well, what is the promise? Remember now that the promise is if ye be Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That means everything that was promised to Abraham, everything that was promised to God's chosen people. So they didn't get to many of the people, those saints, they didn't get to receive the end time harvest blessing, which is still coming. It is still on the way. But if you go to the very next chapter in chapter 12, and it says, but God having provided something better for us, that they may not be made perfect apart from us. That means that all of those saints, all the way from back in the Old Testament, all the way till today, that many people have been persecuted. Many people have been executed. Many people have been stones. Remember how it says that they've been, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were made to hide out in caves and the world wasn't even worthy of them because they carried the banner of God in the Old Testament and the banner of Jesus Christ in the New. But that 
even though they could see these things afar off, they did not see what we're seeing today. That's why there's a scripture that says many prophet and wise men would want to see what we see today, but could not see it and hear what the things we hear and could not hear it. God has chosen us to be those people that come to the last part of the, the, the race. If you've ever seen a relay race in the Olympics, or if you've ever run track in high school, uh, many people ran the 440 relay where you had to hand a baton to, <clears throat> to four different runners. You hand it to the first runner, you hand it to the second runner, you hand it to the third runner, and usually they save the strongest runner to be the last runner. And that's how we're looking at that part of Hebrews. We're the runners that are going to finish the race. That song I was playing, um, it's our friend by the name of Trina Sharifa Cuff, and it's called Finish the Race. It's such a beautiful song, and I'll see if I can figure out how to cue it up another way so that I can do a share and uh, let you all hear that. But the song says, I'm at the mark, I'm ready to start, got to finish the race, no matter how hard the winds may blow, I'm going to finish the race. Through hills and mountains, I'm going to finish the race. And every time I hear that song, it just is it's so inspiring to me. It has been over the years. And she, she actually recorded that song maybe 20 or 25 years ago, but it's still just as relevant today. So when we look back at Hebrews and we see that this, all these saints going through, it says in, in verses 33 and 9, that these saints suffered affliction. They subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They stopped the mouth of lions, quenched violence, escaped the edge of the sword, became valiant in battle, fought, fought armies of aliens, endured trials, mocking, scourgings, imprisonment, were sawn in two, were tempted, slain, and afflicted, and tormented. Their assignment, and though it was painful, it was all part of God's plan. You know, the thing is, you can be suffering greatly and still be in the perfect will of God. When Stephen was stoned, that was part of God's plan. When John the Baptist was beheaded, and he he was really kind of complaining almost, or almost, he was a little discouraged at the end because he even asked Jesus, are you the one or should I look for another? Because I'm still in prison. I'm your cousin. I don't know if they're, I guess, I don't know if they consider it first cousins because I don't know if Elizabeth and Mary were the same generation, but they were related. He's saying, I'm still sitting in prison, getting ready to be executed by these people. And you're the king of kings. What, where are you? He was bewildered, just like many times we're bewildered when we're still going through persecution. But Jesus said, go back and tell him that the blind see, the ears have heard, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He's saying, don't be offended because you're suffering. Because Jesus already knew how he was going to suffer more than John did, because I'm sure beheading is quick and probably painless because you're not going to know it, as opposed to hanging on a cross for 12 to 15 hours. So when we read these scriptures, we know that we're in a race and that the next one, if you go to Hebrews uh, 12 and 2, it says, since also we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, what are the cloud of witnesses? Well, the cloud of witnesses, I will share this with you. Back in 1996, here in Atlanta, Georgia, we hosted the Olympics 
the world famous uh, Olympics where all the countries of the world came together. I can remember that like it was yesterday because I worked down there in a part-time job down there doing Olympics time, making some extra money for a second job, setting up the stands and stuff. But Paul tells us, he tells us that we, we were not, we didn't choose to be in a race, but since God has chosen to put us in the race, run as one to attain the crown. Mm. And then he also says this, he says, while we are in the race, that's why I say God didn't need all the saints born in the same century. He spread us all out over different process of time, which means he had Abraham, if you heard first, during that time, then he had Jacob, Isaac, then Jacob, and then you had Joseph, went down to King David, and then Jesus Christ. Now we had the present 2,000 years. So you talk about 14 years back to King David, I mean to Jesus, 14 centuries back to King David before that. But Jesus, God spreading us all out to be born at a certain time because he knew that we was going to be the part of the race. That's what he told her. He said, I knew you when you were in the mother's womb, and I chose you to be a, a vessel to the nations, a prophet and a priest to the nations. To go out and preach the word. God never said it was going to be easy. He never said that. He said it was going to be. That's why I say, and Paul says, all those who who will, will follow Christ will go through persecution. You are going to go through persecution. That's part of the race. So embrace it. Don't resist it. Don't even, don't even be offended. Embrace it as this is part of my call. Now, I'm not talking about things that we brought on ourselves, which we all have. I'm talking about when we stand in on the word of God and you're being attacked by the wicked one. Not if you go out there and do something wrong. That's not righteousness. That's just poor decisions. So those are two different things. Don't get it wrong. Now, I would say it's just like, for example, Paul gave the he gave the order to kill Stephen, but later on that was Saul. But later on he became Paul, and he stood and took all of this for thirty three years. Paul said he was shipwrecked, bitten by a viper, but yet he continued to preach the gospel. And I'm gonna tell you something out of all the out of all the apostles, which it says the in Acts, the Acts of the apostles. One dropped out because he basically did not endure. He did not finish the race. And that was Julius Iscariot. He dropped out. Not only dropped out, but he wanted to portray Christ. And Jesus said it would have been better if this man had never been born than to have portrayed the Son of Man in the sinful hands of a sinful man to be crucified. So now I'm saying this to you right now. You cannot quit. And I would say this. My grandmother used to say this. You're too close to heaven. You can't turn around. But we got a race to run. And we no, no matter what we're going through, we're going to have to stand firm on the word of God. But if you stand firm on the word of God, you will be strong in a time of trouble. You will not fear. That's what I'm saying. Christians, we need to stop being on the defense and get on the offense. Because when you're on the offense, it gives you the advantage. Now, I know that we just had the, you know, we had the Super Bowl. But most of the time, you look at this, the way football is played, majority of the time, the one that scores the most points is the offense. So since they were surrounded in the Super Bowl in Arizona by all these people witnessing this, so are we surrounded by such a greater cloud of witness that are in heaven? Do you know that you got people in heaven? Jesus says he intercedes for the church. And then also, do you not know that relatives that went on before you, before the Lord, 
are now praying for you and me, saying, y'all got to finish. You can't drop the baton. It's got to be passed, and you got to get with that finish line. Now, let me tell you something. The worst thing you could do is quit on God, because that's all Satan going to do. He's going to put a wear and tear on you, so you will get up and quit. We cannot quit on God, because God never quit on us, even when we fell short of his glory. Amen. So now, <clears throat> let's get back on this about the final lap right here. So the thing is that's important in this, when we're talking about a great cloud of witnesses. Now, just picture this. Um, you've all seen the Olympics or, you know, maybe at least seen one of them. And there's times when the entire uh, delegation of, of uh, athletes from each country, they march in at the beginning, at the opening ceremonies. Well, I saw that one time, and I think it was the time that it was in China. And around that time, I was pretty much a new Christian, I think, if that's if I can remember the year. But anyway, you see all of these wonderful people just exuberant, holding their flags, waving their flags, bright lights, that stadium is lit up like daylight. You see people in the stands. You see the president of the host nation up at the top part of the most prestigious part of the stands in the stands. And then flanking him, you see all these other dignitaries. Well, I had a vision one time when I'm thinking about us all making our way into heaven. And of course we're going at different times, but I think there's gonna be something where we all march in. And when we see that stadium in my dream, and this is my dream and my vision, that the Lord is that in that position, God the Father at the top of the stadium, flanked by the disciples, six on each side. And then all of the saints from all of the ages are in that stadium looking at us coming in the stadium. You will see your, your great great grandparents that you've never met, your grandparents that you met and have passed away, parents, spouses sometimes other family members. And when you come in that stadium, everyone is gonna be cheering for every for the whole team. But you wanna have, just like when you, if you ever had your kid on a soccer team or your grandchild, you see the whole team, but you're looking at your little number 11 or your number seven kid that you have. You're watching the team, but you're saying, there's my little kid right there. That's what it'll be like I believe, because there's biblical uh, evidence that people will know us, and, and, and when we get there, we'll know one another. Somebody's going to say, there's my little grandchild, Pamela, my great-great-grandchild, or you know, my grandson, Terrence, and Terrence's mom, there's my son, and Millicent's mom, there's my daughter, and they're going to be so cheering for us, but I don't think it's just on that day. I think on a regular basis that they're praying and interceding for us. Here's why I know that. In the Bible, the rich man and Lazarus, he was hoping for a good outcome from his brothers, even though he had lived not a good life, a godly life. He was hoping, I'm not going to say praying because I don't know if he was a praying man, but he was in his other state spiritual state after death state 
And he was saying, go and tell my brothers about making the right decision. And of course, you remember that story. They said, well, they're not going to believe it. They had Moses and the prophets. And if they didn't believe them, they're not going to believe even if an angel showed up in light in their bedroom. But the whole idea is that there was somebody there that remembered their family on earth and wanted the best outcome for them. And that's exactly, I believe, what's going on with our families. We're all saved, of course, but they're saying, like, there's my little daughter and she's on the field. Just picture the football game. And then when we mess up, say we do something that God doesn't like or something, it's like, oh, she dropped the ball. Pick it back up, Pema. Go, go get the ball. Go. That's the same thing we do when we watch sports. Somebody fumbles, we're saying, oh man, he fumbled, but come on, get back up. Translate. Okay, don't worry. He's he's always like a coach. He's like, that's all right, that's all right. Pick it back up, keep going. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think that's what's going on, that they're surrounding us. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, when I heard that the, for the first time, I was taught that they were talking about the angels in heaven. But think about it. Our people are the is a great cloud of witnesses. And now I believe that the witnesses are those who've gone to heaven before us. They can actually witness us. As the Bible notes, Revelation 6 and 10 says the dead saints see what's going on on earth. Luke 16, 9 through uh, 31 says that uh, which I told you the rich man and Lazarus knew that his brothers were on the wrong path. And Jesus says there's joy in heaven over one repentant sinner. Who's the one having joy? Our family members when somebody gets saved. So it's clear they can see us on earth, right? Amen. You know, one thing I'll say this. When I was in high school out, in, in, out on the West Coast, and that I remember our high school had one of the biggest stadiums I've ever seen, like a college stadium. And when I grew up in that town about two hours outside of Los Angeles, when I took gym for one of my classes in high school, my coach was, we got in there, we had a really good coach and he had assistants and they trained us how to run the race. Cause when I first went out there the first time, I thought I knew something, I didn't know nothing, but I found out the hard way and I fell on my face. Coach told us what they say, we're gonna teach y'all to run the 440. Then we go one day, then the next day, say we're gonna teach you the 100 yard dash. Then the final day, we're going to teach you how to run the cross country. They had a path that would go up and down. You had to go up and down the hill. And he said, we're going to teach. So when we did the cross country, I couldn't figure out why I was getting so tired. My coach said, Wilson, the reason why you didn't take the instructions that I gave you. He said, you got to learn how to coast your energy over a course. When you notice most of the ones that start the race, the winners are not always the one out in the front when they first start. They're coasting. Like if you look at the new, the Boston Marathon, New York City Marathon, Peace Street Marathon, any one of the winners are not the ones that start out in the front in the beginning. They know how to conserve their energy, reserve their energy for the long haul. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. When you're spending time in the race, you have you have to preserve your energy. You can't even use up so much of your energy that you have. You know, by the time you get halfway to the finish line, you're almost exhausted. So when I learned that, I, I found out about a month later, I started training the way I took his advice, stayed after school, and eventually I started running across country without being out of breath. And I realized what he was saying was true. You have to get, ask God to teach you to cultivate the spirit of endurance throughout the race. Do not, and that's why I said, don't make, that's why Paul says, 
Don't get entangled by everything of that you see or hear or think because there's going to be a lot of distractions in these last days. You got all kinds of devices. You got all kinds of things. You have all kinds of I mean, there's so much going on in the world. But you, the most important thing about the race is, excuse me, is that you have to stay focused because if you don't stay focused, that's why Paul, you know, he said, I was shipwrecked. I was bit by a viper. But he said one thing, I must preach this gospel in Rome, regardless of all of the persecution that he suffered. The spread, he realized his the mission that God had put on him was bigger than the pain that he was going through. If the purpose was much bigger. If Paul had gave up or quit, then God would have to recruit somebody and raise another person up because he was the one that took the gospel into the Gentile nations. That's why we have churches in Mesopotamia in Greece, in Rome, in other countries, because Paul was willing to pay the price to preach this gospel we read today, and he was willing to lay, not only was willing, he did lay down his life for the gospel, and he was not ashamed of that. He never really complained. He was like, you know, Lord, I rejoice because I remember on Acts chapter 9, when you could have killed me on the road to Damascus. When he fell off the horse, he didn't say, Lord, I'll think about it, the one thing he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? So he humbled himself and embraced the calling that God had put on his life. And he understood that this wasn't about him. It wasn't about his will. It was about the will of God for his life. Now, we don't have a decision how we get to choose God's will. That's not how it works. What God says, he knows what's best for us. Now, what we do have a decision is saying, yes, Lord, or no, Lord. That's the two options we got. Paul said, yes, Lord, and he followed God. And now he's regarded as one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament, which he wrote, I believe, two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, uh, Judas said, oh, Lord, I, I, I can't do this. I could do this, but I'm not doing that. He dropped out. And now he's regarded as the one that portrayed Christ. So we have an opportunity. We're in the race. Why not finish the race and be strong in the Lord in the power of his might? That's what Paul tells us. Be strong in the Lord. But the one thing I'm going to tell you right now, children of God, you are going to have to spend more time in prayer, fasting, and reading your Bible. And you've got to cut down on because there's so much stuff going on in the world right now. You're going to get overwhelmed with all that stuff. I, I don't get on social media. I stay off that stuff because it's garbage. That's all it is. <clears throat> So we're gonna. I'm gonna show you this little vi visual I have, and it's uh, a picture of uh, the saints of old passing the baton, and that's us today grabbing the baton, being able to run the race. The earlier saints carried it for a distance, and now they've passed the baton to us. Since the Bible has shown us signs of the end of the age. We can safely believe that we're the ones that will cross the finish line for the whole team. And remember that scripture says that all of those people, and you can see these saints over here on the left-hand side, had a great testimony, but they didn't receive the promise. So they're reserving it for us. And of course, we don't know the day or hour when the Lord is going to be return. However, I have to keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying it. We do know the season. The Lord told us, when you see these leaves on the tree, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these signs, know that it's near even at the door. Okay, we're seeing those things, the things he was talking about. 
wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places. We just had that huge, horrible one in Turkey. That the love of many will grow cold, violence, disobedience, and all these other things that we're seeing play out before our eyes. He also said in the end, it would be as in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, there was a lot of um, immoral living, sexual depravity, um, sexual perversion, immorality, violence, crime, all kinds of horrible things. Now, the people in Noah didn't have the technology that we have today. So it couldn't have been worse then than now. We have way more ways to do evil now than they had back then. We have electronic ways. We have guns and everybody has one. We have telephones to harass people. They harass a little 14-year-old girl so bad she killed herself like last week during this within the last seven days. And then they were laughing at the little girl. And those people are now, some of them are charged with a felony. Thank God, I'm glad because they have to pay the price for that. But we also see things where people are not paying the price. Things are done to you all, things are done to us. And you don't see them paying the price. And that's where we're kind of like John the Baptist. Are you the one or should we look for another? Okay, we know he's the one. But I'm sure we're saying, Lord, how long? How long? And there's a song, um, I'm going to play it in a minute. It's, it's the same exact thing that we're talking about. It's called Enough. And it's saying like, how long do I have to go through all this stuff? How long before you, before you step into the sky blue and say it's quiet enough? Just gonna see if I can find that song. And that's what we're what we're facing right now. We're facing the fact that we're asking the Lord, how long am I gonna endure this kind of um, treatment? How long am I gonna endure this harassment? How long am I gonna endure um, all the things I'm going through right now? And I know in that song it says he has an exclamation point for every question mark. So meaning that he's gonna give us a dramatic answer to the questions that we have. And I, and I will say this also too, we're gonna show a video because I wanna, I wanna remind that, but also I want to say this, pray for the people, the family that lost a son. And I will say this to those psychopathic cops that killed that young man in Memphis. I think that was a completely, completely senseless murder, killing somebody's son like that. I think it's terrible. I think it's bad when a mother, we, we can't even, you know, we got to be concerned about the police. What kind of state of mind are they in right now? But pray for the mother because she really is, and the grandmother, I don't know how she's going to survive this. She's already old and outdone. And pray for the people of Turkey and Syria right now. That, the Catholic, that earthquake is catastrophic. That's you, but they haven't even went through half the town. I'm pretty sure that number will go up much higher than that. I hate to say that, but earthquakes are a dangerous thing to be in because there's really no way to run, nowhere to hide, basically. You just got to open and pray you survive. So we got a lot of terrible things going on in our nation right now, but God is still with us and he's still in control. So <clears throat> I want you to lift up those people 
Pray for the ones here in the Midwest going through horrible floods and stuff like that. And we've had an unbelievable time. As Pam was saying, in, in these last days, you'll know the signs because I was cutting the grass and I felt the wind start whipping up. And I said, oh, my God, we got a heavy rainstorm. That wind was just wailing out there right when I was cutting the grass one day. And sure and behold, lo and behold, not only we had a horrible rainstorm that night here in Atlanta, Georgia, it was thundering like you thought Christ was coming back that night when the time. Sky was being tearing open, but we're going to show you a video after we. Well, I'm going to play this right song here. and then okay, uh, this is the song I was talking about. So, this man's lament is like ours, and he's saying, How long? And I'm sure you've heard this song before. And you know, God is saying, My ways are not your ways, and my time is not your time. But God is in control. One thing I'm going to tell you something. I know that we have said we have traveled extensively uh, per certain parts of the world. When I go there, it's not just for leisure. A lot of time it's for historical learning. I like to go to places. Me and Pamela like to travel to places where history was made. But one of the things I want to show you all right now, there's a lot of places in the world like that. But when we went the last time, I think we went to Europe, we went to Rome, and we got a chance to walk in the Colosseum where Nero, we killed thousands upon thousands of Christians over a false accusation that he made against them. And you know, you heard those stories in school that the Christians burned down Rome and that was not the truth. It was Nero's doing and he blamed it on the Christians. He lied and deceived all them people. But he wound up falling into his own deceptiveness because darkness is only gonna last for so long. Another thing too, we went to Germany. I got a chance to, we got a chance to go inside of a concentration camp for a couple hours. And when you go into a concentration camp, Dachau, all these other places, you'll see all these chambers of suffering, the different parts people were, they, you know, where they were shot in the head, hung, through in the oven. I can show you pictures of them where they threw babies in the oven with just newborns. People are very evil in the world. But I want to show you something right here as in Berlin. This is something I want you to take a note from this. This is, I want to salute uh, Jesse Owens the night and the whole 1936 Olympic team, U.S. team, that went into Nazi Germany and won big. And not only did they win, but they went into the enemy's camp and won the gold. This was not supposed to happen. This was supposed to be a complete annihilation. When Jesse Owens went in there, everybody in that stadium was against him and the whole United States team. Remember, you had Nazi Germany over here and you had the United States over there. And so when he got there, he knew that this was going to be a tough task. But you know what? He made up his mind that I'm going to run regardless how many people are cheering for me or against me. And, you know, at the same time, we had racial issues back at home. They will, you still had them in the dress. But he went because he thought about the nation more than he thought about himself. Now, this is a man that had never even been out of the United States of America before. But yet he went there to represent this team. And if you ever get a chance to go to Berlin, it's a street right now named after Jesse Owens right there inside. It's called... The, the Olympic lane of Berlin called Jesse Owens Street. I think it's called Berlin or something like that. But I want you to take a look at this clip right here. Are we ready for it? Mm -hmm. These are actual events that took place, and this is a movie right here. 
So I just wanted to share with y'all that when you run this race, you're not the only one has run this race. This this is this is this is a very historical time in our history. This is about four years before the United States entered the Second World War. And Jesse Owens and all those team members, the two Jewish men that was that was on the team too, who was not even allowed to run. Because when they got over there, they said, yeah, they could run. But as soon as they got over there, Hitler said, oh, no, no, they can't run in our race. So, But Jesse Owens wound up winning four gold Olympic medal, gold Olympic medals. And I'm just telling you, he went into the enemy's camp and won. What a, what a weight that was on his shoulder. I mean, he had the whole nation, the United States, watching him and that team. And this was this was one country really showing one superiority over another. But at the end of the day, Jesse Owens endured the race. And right now, to, to this day, I don't think there's a greater Olympian than Jesse Owens. Because this wasn't during the time of peace so much. It was a time before the buildup of World War II. And I thank God that he had the tenacity to finish the race and in amen. the enemy's camp. And yeah. I hope that I can let you hear that song, wonderful song by Trina called Finish the Race. Because we're in the final leg of the faith relay. We're the final team. Thank you, dear. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that Jesse Owens um, example shows us that everything was against him. Not only were they hoping to slaughter the Americans because they thought they were superior, their nation was superior, but because he was a black man, they had no, they felt that he was inferior in every way and they did not expect him to win, did not want him to win. And at the end, when everyone got congratulated by the, the, uh, the host country, Hitler refused to congratulate Jesse Owens. And shake his hand, too. So this is the kind of situation we're all in right now. We're fighting a race. We have the superior skill, although the world thinks we don't, although the world is rooting against us, although the world in many times is trying to trip us up, sabotage us, do all kinds of things against us. The Bible says that anyone who even desires to live godly, not who lives godly every day, which none of us do that, but anyone who desires to live godly will suffer persecution. The Bible says that. So how can we live? The earlier saints carried the baton for a distance. They passed it on to us. How then should we compete on this spiritual battlefield? Like Terrence said, we are behind enemy lines. This is not our home. Our home's in heaven. We're people that are sojourning here for a time. We're here for a specific season. We're here for a specific purpose. And I'll tell you this, we're chosen for this generation to see all these things that are taking place. The scripture says that many prophets and wise men wanted to see the things that we see and did not see them. And they wanted to hear the things we are hearing and did not hear them. And I don't think it specifically means the persecution part, but I think it means that we are seeing the world unfold before our eyes. The world that Jesus described in the end, that we are seeing it and we're living through it. The Bible says, Jacob said he saw the future and he rejoiced in songs. And also you can look at the book of Daniel. God said, Daniel, I'm gonna show you the future. 
Read the book of Daniel that talks about the things were going to happen in the latter days. But then God said, Daniel, shut it up until the latter times. And then he went to the book of John. When he got the revelation, he said, John, I want you to write the book of Revelation, but I want you to reveal it in a time of unreal. Revelations really mean the unveiling of revealing of God's plan in the latter days. And that's Revelation 22 and 10. He says, do not shut up the book. Right. So while he told Daniel to shut up the book, he told the prophet, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, if you go to Revelation 22 and 10, he says, do not shut up the book because he wanted us to know these things for this time. He wanted us to have the tools to, to endure for this time. Like any spiritual, any regular soldier, we're, we're competing on a, a battlefield. And like an athlete, we have to use the proper equipment that is provided for us. Football players have a helmet. They have shoulder pads and the gear. We have our equipment too. Ephesians 6 says we can put on the full armor of God. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod in the preparation of gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These are all our tools. But it's not just enough to have the tools. We have to use the tools. And the sword of the spirit, that's the word of God, it not it's not just having the word that makes it a sword. It's speaking the word. If you look at Revelation and it says the king of kings will come back and he'll, the sword of God will be in his mouth. I've seen pictures where they, he, they literally have somebody with a, a sword hanging out his mouth. That's not what it means. It means he's coming back declaring those scriptures. He's coming back declaring like he did when he was tempted by the devil. It is written this. It is written that. That's what he's going to be writing and saying. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's the sword. The sword of God will be in his mouth and the sword of God is going to be in our mouth. And if it's to really be in our mouth and be a, a true and functional sword, we got to be speaking it. I That's why I have that battle card. We speak those scriptures. We speak those things. As we speak them, we are doing a valiant battle against the enemy. We have all of our equipment. In the military, they tell you to use your equipment. Now, I served during the end part of Vietnam, but I wasn't actually in Vietnam. I was in the D.C. area, but I was trained. We had actual exercises. Anybody that's on here that knows what I mean, you learn to do everything. You are in simulated war, and you have to learn how to survive and help your folks that, that may be injured in battle, help them get back to the camp. This is what we're doing. We're behind enemy lines. We have to use all of the tools that are given to us so that we can get home. We're not home yet. There's another song, I'm not gonna play it, and maybe next time it says, we are not home yet. We are not home yet. Keep on looking ahead, let us never forget. We are not home yet. It also talks about in the Bible about how we're to function in our battle, even in our athletics. This scripture in 2 Timothy 2 and 5 says, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Do you not know that all run a race, but only he one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now do they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. And therefore, with with and uh, not with uncertainty thus i fight not as one who beats against the air like just in vain but i'm fighting with purpose i'm fighting with the purpose that i know that god has given us 
I do it all the time and I'm still doing it. I'm not going to stop. One thing my husband said to me something the other day about you don't have to fight every, every battle. And that's true. You don't have to fight every battle. But I did tell him this. I said, but honey, I'm little, but ever since I was a little kid, I, I, I was a scrapper. I fight. That's what I do. But guess what? Now I fight in the spirit. But I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to lay down or shut up about my Savior. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to tell people about him. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look for opportunities. And I don't know if I told y'all, I probably didn't because this just happened. But as I told y'all, I many times go up to people in the store, especially in Kroger, which I shop mostly, and say to people, do you need to pray about anything? Are you okay? Do you want to, you know, pray about something? Well, this little kid, not little kid, but he's probably 20 years old, I guess. I was walking, looking for some, Terrence wanted some diet candy because we're kind of watching our, what we're eating these days. And he really wanted it. And I'm like, okay, I'll go get it from the store. I get to the store. I found not the exact one he wanted, but kind of another one. I said, well, I wish I could give him the one he wanted. And I was just sitting there saying, hmm, I wish I would knew where that candy was. I just want to find that candy for Terrence. This young man came up to me, ma'am, is there anything that I can help you pray with you for? He was, he didn't work there. He was just somebody shopping. And I said, that's funny, sir, young man, because I'm always going to people saying, do you want to pray about anything? I said, really, nothing's going on in my life right now. Particularly, I said, but you know what? I really want to find this candy for my husband. So when you, I said, his name's Sarah. So when you go with prayer time tonight, you can pray. He said, no, we can pray now. Because I thought some people are just too embarrassed to pray like right there. I'm not, but I didn't know how this young man felt. That little boy stopped and prayed right there for my son, husband to get that candy. And do you know, I want an ex, because they, they usually keep it by the ice cream. I couldn't find it. So then I said, I'm just going, after I finished praying, I walked about two hours over and I found it. So I, that little prayer, I don't know if that's the reason I found it or whatever, but I say, look for the opportunities to do our work. We're here to work. I mean, we're going to be persecuted, but while we're crying, come out swinging. I said, I'm going to cry, but I'm going to cry and, and fight. I might get weary, but I'm going to get weary and fight. I might get discouraged, but I'll get discouraged and I'll still fight. And you know what? Paul says we it seemed like we have the disadvantage, we have the advantage. Let's go back to Elijah when his young when his young servant saw the Syrian army surrounding the village in Dothan. He got afraid because he saw what he saw was what the eyes of flesh of men. But Elijah said, with them is the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. Mm. When he looked around, he said, take a look again. He ran from the window because when he was afraid of what he saw, when his eyes frightened him. Children of God, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You, we don't need to give the devil no more credit than he has. He don't need no credit at all, matter of fact. He's not as strong as you think he is. God is the one in control. And remember this, God is the one that he makes the rules. He is also, he also the one that can allow the devil yeah, one more there. Every gold medal, every time the U.S. team won a race, Hitler and his men got up and walked out of the stadium until they um they acknowledged American flag was raised up. Hitler got up with his men and walked out of this out, outside the vestibule because they would not even participate, even when he when they were raising American flag for any one of the American Jesse Owens. But at the end of the day, Hitler and his men are gone, and they're going to burn in hell for eternity for all the evil they did. 
And right now to this day, Jesse Owens and the men that stood, the two Jewish men that stood and didn't get a chance to run, they are heroes in this country to this very day. Heroes, because they ran and they finished the race. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. That's Amen. the Thank you. message for you.